0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Others Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Penny. Joining me this week, another special guest. Um, breaking our usual tradition of having a guest from the United States, I think all of our guests have been so far. This time, from my home country, from my hometown, a good friend of mine and a friend of yours as well, from Shotgun the Orcs, Tom Comey. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, thank you, Steve. How are you, man? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Thank you
1: for having me on. We've been meaning to do this for a time, so um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, sir. Good to see. Your, it's been a- good to see your face again.
0: Indeed, indeed, it's been a while now. Some people may recognise Tom's name. I was going to say face, but only I can see him at the moment, obviously, which is slightly off-putting to me. But some people may recognise the name. Um, I appeared on. Uh, Tom's podcast. When was this? Back in the summer, maybe before the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. A good five, five months ago, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom's podcast, Shotgun the Orcs, which um, mainly focuses on uh, UK hip hop, the UK hip hop scene, and everything in and around it, doing really great things over there. So I think, as I've said in the past, if you are a, a hip hop fan in general, or you want to get into UK hip hop scene, understand it a little bit more. Uh, find out about some more artists over there, then definitely go and check out Shotgun the Orcs.
1: Big up, man. Thank you. Appreciate the, appreciate the plug. Got-
0: That's the plug over with. That's all yeah. you get now. That's all you get.
1: <laughs> you got in got in there before I did. So, um, no, no, respect, man. Thank you. Um,
0: That's fine. You can plug some more at the end <laughs> as well and you can tell everyone where uh, where people can find you.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure, for sure. We can go into that later. But um, what we got on the cars today...
0: This week, we are talking about the monster hits, the controversial hits. Uh, some people love it, some people hate it, and that is... Ultimately, you know you want it. I know you want it. Sorry. I you know you want it. <laughs> that is, as you can probably tell from that, very poor reference. Uh, <laughs> Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines, featuring T.I. and Pharrell.
1: Can I just make a quick disclaimer? Before this, um, this podcast, obviously, I, I'm a, I know the song, Inside Out. Everyone knows the song. The first time I'd ever seen the X-rated video was today. Oh,
0: What a treat treat you had.
1: (laughs) Man, when you told me there were two videos, it blew my mind. I was just like, have I been under a rock? But anyway.
0: You certainly have. Thanks for the recommendation. Because this song is now six years old. I believe so, yeah, 24. Which kind of blew my mind. It was released uh, 20th, 20th of March 2013. We'll go through some of the stats. It reached number one in 25 countries. Uh, the video itself on YouTube, the PG version, let's say, currently has 633 million YouTube views, while the unrated version has 64 million uh, views. That surprises me, though. <laughs> in, a, in a positive way or not?
1: Uh, not in a positive or a negative way. Just, uh, it surprises me that the, the PG version is, but then again, I suppose there's a smaller population of, of perverts out there. You'd like to think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, but you ha- you have to remember as well. I think the, uh, the unrated version was originally put up by, um, by Robin Thicke's team on his own account. It was then taken down it was then re up by Vivo, um, and I believe, nobody quote me on this, but I believe Vivo have a special agreement in place with Google um, because of the content. Obviously, if one of us put a kind of X-rated video up of some kind, it would get taken down straight away. But I think because of the size of Vivo, um, their agreements they have in place with Google and with YouTube, uh, it's been allowed to, to stay up and listed as unrated. And obviously, because it's listed as unrated, you know, if you have... A kid who's got like a YouTube account and it's logged as a kid's account, they're not gonna see this video and stuff. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I was a bit shocked when I switched it on, uh, like a vivo video, and the first thing you see is kind of like, you know, topless women kind of flaunting it everywhere. I was like, what the what the hell's going on here?
0: <laughs> yeah, if you click if you were to click on the wrong one, if you weren't if you didn't know what you were looking for and you uh clicked on that unrated one, you would be in for a, a slight surprise, I guess.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely.
0: So I think by the, end of, um, by the end of 2013, this song had sold um, just under 15 million copies. And that is uh, sold 15 million copies, not been streamed or downloaded or anything like that. These are actual sales, physical and digital sales, people paying money. Uh, and it became the best selling song uh, around the world for that year. Uh, by April 2014, it was the UK's most downloaded song of all time, with just over one and a half million digital sales as well in there. That has since actually been surpassed by Happy, by Pharrell. Um, as of August 2016, it was the seventh, seventh best-selling digital single of all time. I believe it is now 11th. It's dropped down a couple of places thanks to the likes of... Uh, what's he called, old ginger fella? Ed Sheeran, that's the one. Ed Sheeran, who's got yeah, who, who I think has the majority of the top ten of that list. That ginger fella, love it. That yeah, I can think of his name. <laughs> I knew you'd know from that description. Um, and yeah. then in 2014, also it was nominated for two Grammys. It was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Pop Duo Slash Group Performance, uh, neither of which it actually won, if I remember correctly.
1: Do you think that had anything to do, and we'll obviously get onto it, um, anything to do with the the controversy that surrounds the track?
0: I'd like it's to, to think, say. I, yeah, I'd like to think no, but at the same time, I think because of all the stuff that was going on around it, it's quite hard to ignore. But then, with the with the Grammys themselves, you know, they're, they're a law unto them, yeah. unto themselves. You know, they they seem to. Vote for what yeah it's 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 like the oscars it's very political there's a lot of yeah I was gonna being, say um being curried <laughs> there, and again yeah you look at a lot of people that win the Grammys nowadays, and you yeah, know maybe for the last fifteen twenty years or whatever it's it's no longer about you know the best song in that category it 's normally about the most commercial a lot of the times which one has sold the most uh which one will get yeah, yeah. more people watching the grammys and again yeah, you know, like i say there's a lot of these kind of industry favors happening as well so you can never really quite tell why a certain song has or hasn't won at the grammys and similarly for the oscars and things like that as well at certain times
1: yeah i can imagine mate favors robin thick Favors. Oh, anyway, <laughs> we'll get
0: into that. <laughs> we'll get to some of that. We'll yeah, get in, we'll get into we'll
1: get we'll get into the we'll get into the thick of it later. Sorry, this is going this is going to be punting.
0: You can edit that. <laughs> oh no, no, that'll stay in. That'll stay in. Don't worry. So, if we have a, a quick chat about the the video uh, and the song itself, although we won't we mm-hmm. won't dwell on it mm-hmm. too long, we'll get to the more interesting stuff. yeah Yeah. As you say, you know both both the the versions of the videos stylistically um, are very similar. They're um, directed by Diane Martel, who uh, I think we've mentioned a few times on the podcast before. is a long time collaborator uh, with Pharrell. Both the videos very minimalist.
1: You're stealing all my adjectives, Steve. I'm gonna I was gonna be talking through my thoughts on the video, and, and minimalist was something that's jumping out on my phone. But uh, all right, I'll fine, go, I'll go to you.
0: You, you, you carry on.
1: <laughs> so. As I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, this was the first time I've actually seen an X-rated video. And I think the only kind of, I guess, distinct difference between the two to delineate is, like, tits. <laughs> That's all I can say. And um, to your point, it's kind of very minimalist. You can tell that it's shot by, um, like, a like someone who has a lot of influence in the fashion industry. Um, obviously, it's kind of scantily clad women. Uh, there's big kind of bold hashtags tags in red which kind of it works well in contrast to the white background. uh i think one of the, the one of the models is holding a, a lamb or a baby goat or something weird um <laughs> i think it's a lamb um it is a lamb it, yes it's a lamb yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i was just kind of okay that's a bit odd. but and um at one point i thought i saw some like really kind of weird looking taxidermy but it might have just been an ugly dog. Um, it, it was a taxidermy,
0: <laughs> yes. It, it was it oh, was a okay. weird looking dog that had been it, stuffed, yes. Yeah. That,
1: that, okay. Yeah. So that that
0: that uh, clears that one up.
1: Yeah. It, it's just a very um. Obviously, it's a very kind of focused video. Um. You can understand kind of a lot of, and we'll go into the kind of controversy and everything later. But you've got obviously Robin Fick, you've got Ti, and you've got Pharrell. Um, all kind of looking, you know, Dapper Dan's all kind of like looking really smooth, surrounded by these really, really attractive women. And, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's very, it's very obviously shot through the male gaze, which is ironic considering it's a female director. And I think that's a really kind of important point to note throughout this entire, you know, it, throughout the controversy. But yeah, I think the, the video is obviously shot very, very well. It's very, like very well produced um it looks slick it's um minimalist again (laughs) uh yeah it's 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 just a it's just a good video i haven't really got i mean i can't really complain uh i don't know what your thoughts are on that steve but i like the video
0: (laughs) yeah yeah very similar very similar thoughts here it's um there's nothing massively (laughs) yeah you like one of the videos more than the other but yeah yeah there's nothing that um yeah, you know, it stands out massively in the videos. Um, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: I could think of a few things. Oh, there, there was there was one um, like quite funny part at the end where you see these um, like big balloons blown up with like Robin Vick has a big dick, and I thought, mm. do you think that was a stipulation? Um, do you think he, in his he came up that idea? Yeah, maybe. He's like the world. The world has to know. The world has to know. Like maybe. Maybe he's uh, overcompensating for something with those balloons. But um, <laughs> it just I, I was just thinking throughout the whole thing, yeah. You know, obviously, these three dudes, obviously, probably really, really good with the women. Um, alpha male types. And I was thinking, Steve, how funny it would be, like, if it was, like, me and you in that music video. Like, how odd that would look. And how awkward it would be for everyone involved. But that's... uh. <laughs> it, it would
0: be, a, a, I think, a horrific experience for everyone involved, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, it would be horrible. Um, yes. Yeah. Especially I can't for, say, for,
0: when I've had these conversations before, I can't say anyone has ever said, let's put ourselves into that video. Let's think about what would happen then. That's, uh, that's a very different take on it, but Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, but you've got to think about these things. Otherwise, it's just like you can you can you can give a commentary on a video. You can talk about you know the aesthetics. You can talk about the kind of the, the lighting. You can talk about you know the kind of themes. But yeah, man, I like to get deep with this shit. So it's uh, <laughs> can I can I swear I don't know what the you rules can, you are. You
0: can swear all you like.
1: Fuck yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the video, man. I think it's um yeah, it's slick. I think that's probably the best word to describe
0: it yeah very much so yeah well like I say there are similar thoughts here it's um it's well produced it's well made it is slick it's um I like some of the that quirkiness that's in there um I read mm-hmm. a few interviews with Diane Martel kind of at the time and also recently when digging out some notes for this podcast and you know she talks about the influence of um, kind of high-end fashion, which you can see in how the models um, are dressed. But then also having the the jarringness of those big um, hashtags on the screen. And then that weirdness and that quirkiness of having Pharrell sh- shouting into the face of a lamb that a woman is holding and having a... <laughs> a taxidermy dog there and <laughs> uh, having a giant syringe and in, in oh, all sorts yeah, of weird stuff that, like that. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of kind of themes throughout, a lot of kind of suggestive props.
0: Yeah, and what, what was quite funny, I read in um, a couple of interviews afterwards as well, there was a Robin Thicke interview where they were talking about um, the video. And I think he was being... Or he at least later said he was kind of being a bit sarcastic and was probably a bit fucked up at the time as well. But he was talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we were throwing the craziest ideas around, you know, the the syringe thing. He was like, oh, yeah, we were getting the girls to pretend to shoot up. And we had the, the stuffed dog and we were doing stuff with, like, bestiality and things like that. I think he was, like... Yeah, um, he was a bit fu- he was a bit a fucked bit, up uh, at the time and yeah, that didn't actually really happen <laughs> yeah because then that was put to Diane Martel afterwards and she i think she called his words um crazy or or something like that. She just kind of, you know, very much dismissed everything that he'd said.
1: That seems to be a bit of a theme with um with what he says in interviews. We'll get onto that. But um, Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of that. that There was a
1: farmyard vibe to that video as well. You know, you had the kind of the hay bales and and um going on to the kind of you know the chauvinistic uh viewpoints later on when we talk about the controversy, um there's obviously kind of a link between you know the, the you can't not notice the link between kind of the, the women being almost kind of viewed as animals in the video. And hence the, the controversy obviously um, it obviously led to, but yeah, man, it's a, it's an interesting one for sure.
0: It's a, it's a different one. Let's say yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm all for kind of making art and, you know, they're all kind of consenting adults making art, And that doesn't bother me. No one was hurt except maybe a lamb that was deafened. But do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know, um, they all knew what they were doing. Yeah,
0: we can move on to that point as well now. So, yeah, my my next kind of point around this was, um, you know, the kind of main controversies around this. And I guess the first one is that um, possible chauvinistic view upon it. The, the possible exploitation of the women, the, the trivialization of that kind of um, sexual content that you get at least in one version of the videos. And, um, yeah, I remember a lot of this happening, uh, the conversations happening sort of at the time and not long after it came out. And I remember seeing a lot of the interviews with people involved in it as well. And, you know, Emily Ratajkowski, who obviously became massively famous pretty much off the back of that video. You know, I remember her saying that, um, you know, all of the models there that were involved, you know, knew what they were doing. They consented to everything. They were really well treated. All of the ideas were kind of run through them first and they got to say yes or no to everything. Yeah. And and as you mentioned earlier as well, you know, you do you have a female director here. And and from her perspective, from what I've read after, you know, she's been she was talking about, you know, she was empowering yeah that's that's what i was going
1: to say the the counter argument to saying that it's chauvinistic is actually that if you think about it it's it is empowering it it can be interpreted that way um so female making it it's almost like women taking charge of their own kind of sexuality and being kind of like yeah you know what we we like sex too um and it's yeah there there are obviously two lenses you can look at it from but um yeah man i think that's a really really interesting point
0: but in terms of you know the the video and stuff as well. Yeah, you know, that that controversy grew so large that yeah. I think m- most universities in the UK banned the song from being played on their premises mm-hmm. banned them from being banned it from being played like in uh you know kind of bars and stuff like that that are on university campuses. So it really did kind of strike a chord you know rightly or wrongly with people
1: there were a lot of protests as well weren't there in the states and and all kinds of stuff um before we do get onto that because obviously we'll, we'll probably talk a, quite a bit about the controversy with the video itself the two versions was that were they both shot like um kind of you know sequentially it was one shot and then like straight afterwards on like the same day yep. or however long they had that's madness so they they yep. which one did they film first do you know
0: I'm not too sure. Um I was I'd imagine you'd probably start with the clean one, but yeah. I'm not a video director, so <laughs> and
1: then and then just um Robin Robin Fick just like wanders in high and he's just like, Yeah, let's just try it again but with your boobs out. Like, yeah, I can imagine that happening. And they were just like, Well, sure, why not I guess? Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh
0: what else did I have around this? Well, oh, yeah, before we kind of move on to yeah, all the real controversies, here, here's, my, um, here, here's a thought I have on Emily Ratajkowski. And this is maybe a, not an unpopular thought or anything, but... So Emily Ratajkowski, obviously, as everyone knows, famous model now. She's involved in lots of different stuff. She's known the world around, millions of followers. Mainly made famous from this video, yeah, this was her kind of big break. Mm-hmm. Now, for somebody that, is, that has been made famous from a music video, I have never witnessed another human being with less rhythm than she has. <laughs> Man, I,
1: I wasn't too sure where you were going with this, but um, now you've said that, I can't help but to think about how right you are.
0: If you watch if you watch it in the video, she's yeah. kind of quite off. But then, if you subsequently then, you know, if you follow her on Instagram or anything like that, if you watch her dance to any piece of music, she has no rhythm whatsoever. Calling her out, man. Starting, there you go. Starting some
1: beef with the models.
0: <laughs>
1: no, that's, that's These some,
0: are the important topics we need
1: to talk about. Exactly. If you're out there, I mean, obviously, with your newfound fame um you might want to invest in some in some dancing lessons just a, just a suggestion but hey you know who am i to suggest that but
0: um <laughs> it's been six years and she's got god knows how many millions of her uh, instagram followers so she probably doesn't care does she
1: one of them has to be a, a dance instructor surely she's got the pick of the bunch uh, this is a weird tangent
0: Sorry, yes, it was, but it's just something I've always had in my mind and I had to get out there. (laughs) I had to tell the world. Let's get
1: this viral and let's get her some lessons. (laughs)
0: Let's get blocked on every social platform possible. (laughs) My the most famous model in the world. Okay. All right, let's move on a little bit. Here's a question for you. Is this song rapey?
1: So that's actually um, a quote, isn't it? Like A bit rapey in verse. speech marks inverted commas i'm just gonna say it yes I, you want it. I think it is quite rapey um maybe if even if it wasn't intended to be it's but then again i'm not sure whether or not that would be my initial interpretation if i was like if it was kind of you know like you know uh, plato's cave and i was like in there and i heard it would i necessarily think that or is it because of all the controversy that followed which is kind of I guess conditioning me and, and shaping that opinion and it is hard to kind of not be kind of conditioned in that way and influenced in that way based on all the conversations and controversies surrounding the track but you can't listen to this song now or even have a conversation without you know um whispering in a really kind of sleazy way like you know you want it, I know you want it. yeah do you know what I mean um So yeah, I know because I've
0: I've received some messages that are very similar to that in the last few days. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, and yeah, most of them probably from me. Yeah, and um, (laughs) there's just something very menacing about the lyrics. However, um, that's the power of music, I guess. I mean, for something to to spark up this much conversation from fucking song lyrics, do you know what I mean? Um, But then, obviously, Pharrell, he's didn't he try to kind of I mean we'll go into this a bit later but initially he was obviously defending the track and he's been on several interviews including one with um uh, Christian Guru Murphy so he's um a, a journalist uh, here in here in the UK and he was defending the track saying that you know I think it's empowering well, I love women etc but then didn't he go on record um on GQ like after that kind of Kind of taking it back and try to distance himself a little bit from it and he almost seemed to be making out that he was naive to the fact that it would be taken that way which i didn't really know how to take because for a guy that's been you know so immersed in hip-hop for so long he's been around kind of chauvinistic lyrics and all of that kind of thing um so i'm not too sure whether or not i'd buy that but then again i heard it completely out of context so
0: yeah
1: i don't know man
0: See, I, I agree to a certain extent there. Um, I think the song itself, um, without without any context, which is how most people listen to most music, <laughs> yeah. they don't they don't dig into the shit like we dig into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does. It can, it can, it does. Whatever your view may be, sound in inverted commas, rapey. Yeah. It does sound sleazy. The problem you also have there. Is the man singing most of it? Is a fairly notorious womanizer. He. um I'm not laughing
1: at like. I'm just, <laughs> just. I'm just picturing like Robin Fitt's face, like smiling in a really kind of seductive way, like. And it just makes me laugh.
0: You know, he he's he comes across as sleazy to a certain extent, or has done in the past.
1: No, 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 no. He, he, he does okay <laughs> yeah all right easy man
0: <laughs> all right we'll give him that and uh, i don't think that helps at all that that adds another kind of um layer or interpretation onto the song itself when it's that kind of person projecting those lyrics mm-hmm. i think if you go back and you you look at a lot of the early videos where pharrell was kind of defending it i think he was right to defend it Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, because yeah, you know, it was it was him that wrote it. No matter, even though Robin Thicke's name is on there, and he originally claimed to have uh, co-wrote it. Let's say I think now we all know, via various lawsuits and interviews, that Robin yeah. Thicke was. Probably incapable of writing his own name, let alone writing a song. Yeah, he was like, uh, at that time,
1: he's like the the, the Towley of the the pot world. He's always, "Ah!" (laughs) always fucking high. Yes. Uh, Did he he say in the the deposition that he, um, I think the year it came out, the year following, he he didn't go to a single interview that he wasn't either like drunk out of his mind or high on like scripture medication or, or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, that, and that's from from my understanding. That's how he was in the studio mm-hmm. every day as well. He would just turn up, just kind of off his head. Um, didn't well, really have maybe. much. Yeah, didn't have much input into the songs themselves. And in terms of this one, you know, Pharrell kind of wrote it from start to finish, basically. And I think if you understand the background, you understand the actual context of it and stuff like that, and. You kind of strip, you try and strip away, uh, you know the the stuff that's happened since. I think there's, you know, the the meaning behind it is very different to how it's interpreted now. Yeah, I think yeah. it was it was genuinely written as a kind of um, just just a kind of a sexy pop song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a slightly sort of empowering song to women. You know, like but, as Pharrell says in some of these interviews, and I'll put some links in the show notes. You know, there are you know. You don't have to be, you know, a a bad person or a a dirty person to kind of, you know, want to have have sex or to think about these things. Yeah. Even even kind of, you know, good people. I'm saying in air quotes again, you know, think about these things, want to do these things.
1: It's a very conservative kind of shameful mindset, isn't it, that he's kind of breaking free from. But I think do you think, though, that um, obviously, given we're in this day and age, like you know, social media and someone's opinion can kind of like basically like start this massive kind of domino effect of, of people's outrage, etc. cetera. But this isn't, if you actually listen to it, yeah, it can obviously be interpreted as controversial, but no more so than I can think of hundreds and hundreds of other songs, which I can't list throughout the years that have been released by various artists. Mm-hmm. But because of the air, the, the age we're living in now where information and opinions are shared so easily, um I think it just kind of fell victim to that, obviously, but just building on that point, I think, but also because this was a commercial to your point earlier, you said it this was a fucking smash hit, do you know what I mean, and that that's probably another reason why um it, it it got that kind of attention because it was heard by so many different people,
0: yeah, definitely yeah there are I think we could go back and we could we could pick a million different uh songs from different genres that um yeah, if you just sat there and you read the lyrics and you associated it with a slightly sleazy person mm-hmm. and in a certain period in time where these things are uh, kind of bubbling up to the surface a bit more, being paid attention to a bit more, you could point fingers and pick holes out of a million different songs out there. Yeah. That's not to say, you know, this song is right or wrong in the way it's, it's kind of done it. But like you say, I think it... It was an amalgamation of lots of different things, all coming together at that ki- at that time, which happened to be whichever way you look at it, the right or the wrong time.
1: Yeah, I think as well. I mean, like just the kind of counter argument to that is that if you think of another, I was watching an interview. I can't remember who it was with. And it was a uh, like a YouTube video talking about the whole blurred lines thing, and it's very kind of when you listen to it it's very kind of you you can interpret it in a very specific way and uh, to your point a bit rapey right versus say like a an artist who releases a lot of kind of you know sexually charged music so let's use prince for example i think is what the person used in the video but they were never kind of really kind of you know prescriptive and and it wasn't very there wasn't it wasn't rapey it was just sexual there's kind of a distinct difference i think the controversy with blurred lines is that you could look into it as a song about raping someone
0: you you could if you wanted to view it that way but i think you've got a yeah you know, it gets it gets to a point where again you could pick many print songs and you could twist some of the words of and could. the lyrics yeah. in your head and make those about that you know about rape or about anything else as well you know, and if you took those print songs and you had somebody like Robin Thicke singing them, and you had other things going on around it, again, that would change the context and interpretation of them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to—I just want to read a quick quote out that, um, that I pulled from an interview quickly that just gives um, some of this perspective from Pharrell's side that he was talking about. And this is an interview he did, re- you know, just after it came out with uh, with Pitchfork, um, and it says, "What would be controversial about it?" In Blurred Lines, Robin Thick lyrics are, you don't need no papers, meaning you're not a possession. That man is not your maker, meaning he is not God, nor can he produce children or women for that matter. He's a man, so he definitely did not make you. What I was trying to say was, that man is trying to domesticate you, but you don't need no papers, let me liberate you. But it was misconstrued. Mm-hmm. When you pull back and look at the entire song, the point is, She's a good girl, and even good girls want to do things, and that's where you have the blurred lines. She expresses it in dancing because she's a good girl. People who are agitated just want to be mad, and I accept their opinion. Uh, We got a kick out of making people dance, and that was the only intention.
1: Yeah, man, I think I I somewhat agree with that. I mean, it's music at the end of the day, and I think the intention was kind of sincere um, when they first made it. I think t- to to some extent do you think that by them and obviously having a conversation about these things is inevitable, but do you think that if if it was you who made the track yeah and then um you know you heard all of these kind of adverse opinions coming back and and kind of you know targeting it and victimizing the track, would you publicly defend it or would you just let it slide because do you think it's it's almost like you know, the it draws attention yeah, to exactly, it. exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, um, I think again, a lot of this depends on, and this goes to the next point we get to in a minute ago. In a minute, the Marvin Gaye lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It all depends on the popularity and the success of the track. Had that track not been as successful, had that just been a straight up number seven track on his album, which never came out as a single, never did anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have given two shits about it, about the lyrical content, about the the production, about the the whole kind of Marvin Gaye stuff or anything like that. Nobody would have cared. But because it kinda of blew up, it got that attention. And when it does blow up and it's and you do have a a large number of people that are also for the track as well as against the track, I think you kind of have to you don't have to stand up for it, but if it's your work that you've made and you're proud of it, and there are genuine intentions behind it, then you're going to want to stand up so, for it and try. And you're going to want to try and convince people that, like, no, hold on, no, it's not meant to be about that. It's meant to be about this. Maybe it doesn't come across that way, but you know, here's my yeah. explanation to try and you know win you over almost and to make you see my side of things. It's just
1: kind of hard not to dig yourself a hole. But um, going on from that, and obviously we talked, you know, you kind of just alluded to it. What do you actually think of the song itself? Because in terms of what Pharrell has kind of produced and made over the years, I don't... It's not exactly, in my my opinion, I think he's made much better music. And I'm kind of shocked by... I think... I'm not really shocked by it because obviously the accompanying video and there was an appeal behind it and it's kind of toe-tapping and stuff. But in my opinion, it's kind of... The song's just a bit meh. It's not... It certainly isn't one of his best. Um, the kind of, like, the bass and, like, the chord progressions, very, like, familiar, shall we say. I think that it's kind of strange how, out of all of, like, Pharrell's, like, impressive discography, this is the one that's kind of blown up the most in this way, um, besides happy, obviously. Uh, but w- what's your thoughts on the song, man?
0: Um, it's, yeah, it's by no means uh, his best work, I don't think, but then not every song has to be. I think in terms of you know if you if you're rank just ranking it against other pop songs um I think it's a it's a very good pop song mm-hmm. it's the sort of song at that time that seemed to resonate with with people because oh now this way we get into timelines and dates which I can never remember because around that time as well you've also got the two uh, Daft Punk tracks that, that come out as well that Pharrell works on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Get Lucky and Lose Yourself to Dance. Yeah. yeah. And again, I, I think they come out... You'll have to bear with me while I Google the dates now. Yeah, so they, they kind of came out within a sort of few months of each other with, the Daft, mm-hmm. with like Get Lucky coming out just after. So I think at that point in time, it was that kind of track that was working Mm -hmm. And you see that through time, you know, at certain points in time, certain types of music will kind of peak, others will die off, and then things will change, you know, in the next six months or 12 months or 18 months, whatever it may be. I just think at that time, it was just one of those tracks that it was just again depending on how you view it, it it was the right or the wrong time for it
1: that being said though um i mean despite my comments i didn't it's you know it's not my favorite song or whatever it's still it's still timeless in the sense that if it's played now on like tv or you, know, you, you could walk out somewhere and you'd recognize it instantly and it doesn't sound like you know how old is it now like six years old yeah it's just and, and i think that is to be fair like that's the case with most Pharrell tracks and most Neptune's tracks. To be honest, like I don't, I don't think his music ages. Like I mean, there might be an odd exception. I'm no like expert. Like compared to yourself, but um, when you hear kind of an NERD track, a Neptune's track, or a Pharrell track, it's always kind of got that kind of like kind of futuristic, kind of timeless um, aesthetic to it. And I think he he just know he's got a very very good ear for for like a pop song which is clearly evidence with, like, you know, as to your point, the Daft Punk tracks, Happy, this one. It was just kind of like hit after hit after hit. So, yeah, I mean, not my favourite one of his songs by a long shot, but it's memorable.
0: Yeah, and the way I kind of look at it is, um, you yeah, know, we're nearly in 2020 now, but if you were out, you know, in a bar at the weekend and this came on, despite as well all the controversies around it and what, you, what people may think of it personally... You know that everyone would be up dancing to this at one a.m. You know everyone would realize it instantly and they'd be up dancing and singing it.
1: Mate, I was actually kind of shocked that it was 2013. I was like, I swear it was two years ago. Like honestly, when I when I was researching for the podcast, I thought, shit, has it really been that long? Um, which kind of goes to show. But um, but yeah, man, it is definitely one of those um, one of those tracks. that's just going to stick around. You know you want it. I know.
0: Yeah, most definitely. You know you want it. I know you want it. All right, let's get on to um, probably the... I was going to say the biggest controversy. It's not necessarily the biggest, but um, in terms of monetary value, it's most certainly the biggest. And that's the the Marvin Gaye lawsuit, which was uh, settled after appeal um, earlier this year um, and now has, obviously, Marvin Gaye listed as a a writer of the song and lists... uh, the original Marvin Gaye song, as uh, yeah, being interpolated on this, uh, and also saw the Marvin Gaye estate get uh, eventually just over five million dollars in royalties, um, and I'm assuming they probably get future royalties going forward as well, uh, based on Marvin Gaye now being listed as a, a writer of the song.
1: So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, but again, before you know the um, and just to kind of you know, get this out of the way. Like I, I wanted to talk about this song because of the controversy and I thought it'd be a good topic of conversation, obviously very familiar with it, but all of this stuff like the deposition um, kind of footage that we'll go into in a moment, that was all, all completely new to me. So do you want to kind of elaborate a bit more around like the, um, you know, the kind of founding of the the lawsuit from the uh, Marvin Gaye estate and the track that it was, Lifted from, I guess, or influenced from. So what just can you give me a bit of background behind it? Because I don't actually know that much about it.
0: Yeah, so after this um, came out and obviously blew up, um, the Marvin Gaye estate, which now owns all the kind of rights to uh, Marvin Gaye's music, uh, which is run by, I believe, his daughter and uh, various members of his family, sued both Pharrell and Robin Thicke um, who are the main list who were listed as you know the writers producers of the song um, because they alleged the the similarity between this song and then got to give it up which is from the 1977 I th- mm-hmm. think something like that and you know they, they alleged that the tracks were were too similar and um, They had obviously taken from that original Marvin Gaye track.
1: Was that a bit rapey as well?
0: I think the Marvin Gaye Estate lawsuit is a bit potentially that way. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you know, had this song not been that big, Mm -hmm. the Marvin Gaye Estate wouldn't have given two shits about this song. But unfortunately, I think they had some, they had somebody or many people in in that camp on their legal team. That said, this is similar. Um, we might have a case here. It's now, you know, it's now the biggest selling song of the year. Um, it's one of the biggest selling songs of all time. It's got millions of views online. Yeah, we should go for it. Oh man! Yeah, you know, we and they obviously believed in it because yeah, you know, they they spent a lot of money on legal fees over the years, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, you know, they went through the the appeals and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they obviously believed it to a certain extent. But I think the lawsuit itself, I was going to say frivolous. It wasn't frivolous because, you know, you can hear the similarities. But I think in terms of how the actual law is set up, um, and I think if you ask any musical expert out there, uh, I think 90% of them will probably tell you that um, the result that came out in the end and that that the jury found and the settlement and everything else was was a travesty mm. it was it shouldn't have happened if you look at I think if you go back and you look at uh, the actual law of you know copyright infringement and stuff like that when it comes to songs, um a lot of it is about you know the the melody, the actual lyrics and stuff like that, and being able to see an exact copy of that mm-hmm. when you look at these two tracks you look at you know you look at the sheet music, they're completely different. The chord progression is different. The the keys are different. The the BPM is different. Everything is just it, is different. Yeah. Now, of course, yeah, if you play the tracks side by side, they do sound similar to a certain extent. You know, the the BPM is different, but it's very close. I think it's 120, 122. and you have that that kind of syncopated cowbell in the background and yeah there are similar sounds that are used
1: i guarantee that like bigger nerds than us have done some kind of comparative analysis on youtube and
0: yes there, there, there are many be out there and the I, i've of it watched, online. yeah i've watched quite a few of them and there was one really really good one that <laughs> i found <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> that's what i do there was a really good one that i found a couple of years back and i was trying to find it this week again and i can't and i don't know if it's been taken down or it just doesn't exist anymore, whether it's just buried under all of the shit content of YouTube. If I end up being able to dig it out, I'll make sure I update the show notes with it. But yeah, there was a really, really good one um, online. And I think, I think if you look at any on YouTube from producers, legal experts, um, music historians, all these kinds of things, from what I have seen, and I haven't, you know, I don't, Cherry pick the stuff that I watch. I want to watch everything to get the best understanding. Yeah, of course. Like I say, nine out of ten will side with uh, Pharrell um, by saying yes, this is not uh, a copy in any way. Yes, it's it's influenced. Yes, there is a there are stylistic similarities.
1: I mean, music in its very nature is derivative, right?
0: Exactly, and like like we said earlier, you you could pick a million tracks from any genre Mm -hmm. and um, you could go back and you could find similar tracks um, all the time. Yeah. There are, yeah, you listen to hip hop nowadays, a lot of the stuff. I don't listen to, but, you know, the, the kind of more popular stuff. Yeah, your mumble rap and stuff. It all sounds the fucking same. It's all <laughs> influenced from each other. Well, that's so, the that's
1: subjective, Steve, but no, I'm joking.
0: No, 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 no. I'm, a, I'm an old head as well, so I, I completely agree,
1: but I just I was just being kind of impartial yeah, yeah. for the listeners. The listeners don't care about your impartiality.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff where you can say it sounds the same or this was influenced by this or this was influenced by this. And, yeah, over the years, you, know, you look at, like, the mid-2000s, late-2000s, there are a million and one producers coming out with tracks where you listen to it and you're like, "Oh shit, is this a new Neptune's track? Oh no, it's just somebody biting their sound." Well, you know, using it, like the, using a, the same keyboards they use, and you know,
1: a, a track that and you're gonna completely disagree or laugh at this, but um, you know, uh, Justin Timberlake's "Sexy Back," you know, like the bassline in that, um, mm-hmm. it's Timberland produced, I think. Um, yeah, that really reminds me of that of um, Blurred Lines. I don't know why. It's like it's obviously completely different but there's something very familiar about the bass lines to me like when I, I was they could they could easily merge into one another to your point you could apply the same to to so many different songs so it's kind of a yeah you're kind of like what's the expression i'm looking for they were kind of clutching at straws and i'm i'm, I'm actually surprised that they that they won
0: yeah well i think the the general consensus is that they kind of baffled the jury with um a lot of <laughs> technical information um, that the jury didn't understand and what they did was they kept playing those songs over and over and over again to yeah, yeah. you know kind of cement it into their head that they, they are the same song essentially mind control
1: man that's uh...
0: it, and it is to a certain extent it's you know you, you go to court for anything and a lot of a lot of the arguments that an attorney will give it, you know, it's psychological, especially when you're playing to a jury. Yeah. yeah. It's all about getting into their mindset, which is why you, especially in the U S you know, when you, um, have court cases, you know, you have, you know, lawyers and attorneys will spend a week picking where the case happens, what the jury selection is, because they want to pick the right people that will be favorable to them mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And that played a part here. It played a big part here and then the kind of you know baffling of the jury played a a massive part here um and just a a, a fundamental you know not understanding of how music is made and how it evolves over time and how it influences other people over time, um, especially when we get to. Probably would have been
1: a, a big kind of, you know, uh, waste of taxpayers' money to bring in music experts to the court. Or... <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, to your point, the jury aren't necessarily qualified to. To make those determinations, they're not necessarily experts in the field, and
0: yeah, and I think you know each side did bring in their own kind of musical experts to try and break down the track, and um...
1: it's a top, it's a topsy turvy world we live in. If you actually fucking think <laughs> about that, like, right, yeah, so you stole our song, which is basically just like a, an arrangement of of tones and, and sounds. Uh, yeah, you copied it. No, we didn't. And then investing all that time, effort, money, um, and life ultimately into into that it just baffles me man just human beings are fucking weird but there we go
0: yeah very much so really are but when when there are literally millions of dollars on the line um, you know that can get the better of some people unfortunately yeah and I think you know you mentioned the kind of depositions and stuff there as well there was also I think what kind of blew it and what had a big influence on the jury as well was was Robin Thick's kind of drunken and high yeah. interviews that he gave around that time. Yeah, as you mentioned.
1: Yeah, Pharrell even stepped in, didn't he? And he was just like, he was like, basically anything that he says is like anecdotal because yes. because he was just like, he didn't, you know, explicitly say uh, he was off his tits at the time. But he went in and just said, look, he, he can make some comments and you're basically like, I think the expression he used was like, you're hanging your hat on that comment when yeah. you're not thinking about the wider context you're building a case around uh, like you know anecdotal information um that came from some guy who was like drunk and high out of his mind um and i think yeah pharrell came across really really well in that i think he was very kind of articulate he, he was speaking logically whereas robin fit was just kind of like you know <laughs> wiping it like kind of like uh wiping his hands of any accountability he was just like i don't remember anything i said before i was obviously not in
0: the right frame of mind. Yeah, no, the problem is, you know, I think, you know, when they made the track, they obviously um, they knew it had that kind of groove to it, that uh, Marvin Gaye kind of sound to it. Whether they atten- intentionally went for that or not, you know, only they, well, only Pharrell knows. But the problem was, you know, in all those kind of subsequent interviews, Robin Thicke, you know, when he's out of his mind, is constantly talking about. Mm. Oh, we we tried to get a Marvin Gaye groove. We tried to emulate that, and we tried to replicate that in some way. (laughs) Um, He he was he was really (laughs) laying it on in his interviews about the whole Marvin Gaye influence. Um, And then obviously, then when you get to Pharrell, then being told about this, you know, he says, "Well, no, that's not not actually uh, not quite the case." You can't really believe everything he was saying in in interviews. He's trying to sell records, and he's just saying what he needs to say and it isn't quite the truth, and then even you know Robin Thicke in his um in his depositions he was, he was quite candid about the fact that he was just constantly high and drunk, and I think one of the questions was, would you consider yourself a liar? And he kind of paused for a minute, and I think he says yes, he would consider himself a liar, and you know they're asking him about why did he say certain things, and he you know his responses. I say what I feel I need to say at any given point in time to sell the most records that I need to sell.
1: An ambassador your, of your kind of brand and your record, and that's you know, that's kind of justified, right? <laughs> I guess he didn't mm. realise the kind of implications behind it when he was doing it. Um, or probably doesn't remember to your point. But yeah, man, I think um did one of the um the guys interviewing him like refer to him as Robin Fikey at one point? I swear, <laughs> I, 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 I swear down! I heard someone mispronounce his name, and I was just like, uh, "Have I been calling him Fick all these years?" It's actually pronounced Fick. Nah, this guy must be wrong. <laughs> I missed that, but in the past, oh, I
0: have I have heard him called, being called Robin Ficky. Ficky, all right.
1: Yeah. I quite like that one. <laughs> I've
0: heard that, and I think what what I would just kind of on the subject. One other kind of um, not revelation to come from the depositions, but one interesting uh point is when they were they were asking pharrell about his ability to to read music to read um you know sheet music and you know notes on a page essentially and they say can can you read you know, music this way and he says yes I think in the past he has given other interviews there's where he has said you know he didn't grow up learning music that way. He learned most of it by, or a lot of it by ear, but obviously over time he has learned that more technical side of it. So he answers yes to this. The, I guess, I assume the attorney or whatever he is then kind of um, puts sheet music in front of him and says, okay, can you name these notes? Can you name the duration of these notes? And, you know, real kind of technical stuff. And Pharrell declines to, to answer for one reason or another the the kind of insight into that is if you look as we mentioned earlier if you look at both of those songs on paper uh when they're written out you know kind of musical notes they are completely different so if you're going to go through the both of the songs in that way uh the marvin gay estate doesn't have a leg to stand on because they are completely completely different but i think the issue there is perhaps pharrell wasn't quite sure of what he was actually seeing in terms of some of the um, the more technical yeah, side that's of it, a good there, point.
1: and he didn't want to appear to be vulnerable from a from a music. He didn't want to lose any kind of credibility, perhaps publicly. Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense, man.
0: And yeah, he says he says during the thing like, "Oh, I'm." Um, he says, "I'm not comfortable." That's the the expression he uses, and uh, the attorney keeps saying to him. Okay, but you know, you need to give me an answer. And he's like, I'm not comfortable, that is my answer. And the attorney even says to him, So you're saying to me that you you can't read music then. You know, I've asked you if you can read music, you're now refusing to do it. That means you can't read music. And you know, Frail's answer again is, Yeah, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's a strange one. It's like I say, you know, if he had gone into it in depth, I think they would have been they would have been fine. But and I think he probably generally knew Uh, from a technical perspective, what's on the paper. But, yeah, maybe didn't want to get caught out by anything he maybe wasn't 100% sure on.
1: Right, Steve, man, let me put it to you then. As, like, a Pharrell superfan, if it kind of, you know, came out that he couldn't read music, would that affect your kind of view on him, or would it remain the same? Like, what would your kind of thoughts on that be? Because I've got Um, an opinion on it, but obviously I'd be keen to hear yours being the, the massive Pharrell fan that you are,
0: it would in, in, probably increase my respect for him. Being oh, able to make man. such a a, a body yeah, of music yeah. um, while not being not having all the kind of technical abilities that a lot of other people have.
1: Mm, no, but, no, 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 couldn't agree more with you, man. That's exactly exactly where I was going with that. I think it's um got like an ear for it, and he's not necessarily like classically trained. But he still has the ability to, to to make music like he does. Then, damn, man, he's he's, <laughs> he's not human. But yeah, yeah, I completely I completely agree with you, man. But maybe in his mind, he uh, he didn't want to be viewed by his kind of peers in a you know he didn't want you know in a negative light. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, the thing is, you can you can tell it obviously bothered him at the time. The whole kind of case and yeah this. Uh you know, this kind of line of questioning into kind of, you know, his integrity and his technical abilities and stuff like that. But what what I didn't expect was six years later, it would still bother him quite so much. So you mentioned earlier the, the kind of GQ interview, and this is um, a sit down interview he did with the producer Rick Rubin for GQ recently. I see a lot of people talking about the interview and saying how amazing it is. Personally, I think it's a pretty whack interview. It's very bland. There's not it's really when, much It's
1: when they're just like sat at uh, Rick Branson's place. Uh, yeah, Rick it, there, yeah. Just living alive. Like Rick Branson and stuff. It's like t sort of yeah. t-shirt and green tea. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. out in Malibu. Yeah, that's Loving cool. life.
0: The interview itself, yeah, I didn't really think much of it. But the one part that did stick out for me was when... Pharrell mentions something briefly about Blurred Lines and Rick Rubin says, oh, well, I wasn't going to talk about Blurred Lines, but seeing as you mentioned it, we'll, we'll go into it. Mm-hmm. And again, Pharrell kind of very passionately defends it, not in terms of the kind of lyrical content and stuff we talked about earlier, but in terms of this, um, this kind of lawsuit in itself. Yeah. Um, he very passionately defends, you know, the the way it was made, how it sounds. Rick Rubin, one of the greatest... I was going to say hip hop producers, not hip hop producers, just music Jeez. producers yeah, of recent times you know is is was in complete agreement with him in terms of um you know you can't you can't copyright a groove or a feeling and that's kind of what it is so it was interesting to see yeah, Pharrell kind of get quite so not worked up but kind of passionate about it all these years later and I guess he can now talk about it openly because the lawsuit was. You know, finalised earlier this year so he's actually able to talk about it and I guess he's been waiting six years to uh, actually have his say about it Yeah, no, it's
1: an interesting one man because I think like you obviously hear kind of conflicting views he's given initially defending it and then going on to say that oh maybe I was naive to the, the chauvinism that was going on generally in music at the time which I kind of find a little bit hard to believe but I think naturally as an artist to your point we see, obviously he's got like a business brain as well, but, um, as con- consumers of music and obviously being taken it that step further, like you do, like we do as like podcasters, fans of music, you go into the kind of like, um, the analytics and the figures and all of that stuff as well. So obviously like, you know, sales figures, etc. but first and foremost, he is a creative type. He is like a person who, who likes making music, right? He likes creating something for people to enjoy, and to have that kind of picked apart questions, uh, tarnished, you're going to be pissed off. Do you know what I mean? It's like, imagine if you, um, if, you know, heaven forbid, man, like this podcast goes out and someone's like, that was fucking shit. That was terrible. Like it was a bit rapey. Um, you probably, <laughs> you probably jump on a subsequent podcast and defend it, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Most man. definitely. Um, and I guess, you know, you, th- these, these celebrities have, kind of almost kind of godlike status in in the sense that people think, oh, they're just, you know, otherworldly entities. They're not people. When in fact, I mean, you've met Pharrell, man. You you know, you said when you met him, he was the most kind of humble, down-to-earth, hardworking, busy guys. And he probably didn't have time for all of this shit in his life because he's probably constantly thinking about the next song he wants to make, you know, whilst making other stuff. So I think it's kind of cool to see him get that passionate about it. But at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like it probably didn't do him any favors initially, whereas to your point now, he can probably openly talk about it because the dust has settled a bit. But yeah, man, it's 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 just crazy to me how people lose their shit over music. Like honestly, man, I mean that's the power of music, I guess. But people lose their shit over a lot of things, but music seems like something that I mean, compared to actual rape. Or compared to murder, compared to genocide, compared to bestiality, (laughs) you alluded to earlier. Um, You know, it's fucking music, man.
0: But that's the thing. So, um, it it resonates in so many different ways with with different people. Everyone looks at every song in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. You know, people see things in lyrics that you know lyrics I probably didn't even realise were there in a certain song, Mm -hmm. Um, but people pick them out, or people pick out sounds and focus on those sounds and people pick out similarities they feel from you know to other songs and
1: people follow their own kind of uh their own kind of narratives don't they they kind of pick and choose and they uh, they kind of repurpose everything and they just think right this is the truth that i believe in and i'm going to pursue it and then if they hear otherwise then they are just argue to the end of the earth rather than having a, a conversation about it so i mean it's cool that all this has happened in a sense, because it kind of just, it demonstrates the awesome power of music. But at the same time, it's just like, it kind of highlights how, I don't know, how I don't know, like it, it just kind of highlights how stupid humans are.
0: <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah. I think it, it, what it does highlight is just, you know, what a sort of, it sounds really like, really cheesy, but what a sort of like changing world we live in at the moment. Oh and yeah, man. Of the last kind of 10 years or so, where, you know, a song that's kind of written as a pop song for people to dance to, to empower and help liberate women is, you know, turned into a song that's, uh, you know, called Rapey and yeah. is seen as being against women and is, is seen to put women down. And, um, but look and at, so, you know, it pays homage to a classic track and then the people from that original track just want to get money from it and you know
1: but i've got a, a like a better example of uh a more cd song and i think it's pharrell it was mr cow shake your ass right that was, was mm-hmm. this pharrell produced that as well yeah have you covered that on the podcast yet
0: we no we didn't do any mystical ones at the start is actually. that is no. that
1: because of like his uh you know his actual <laughs> rapey vibes I mean, he, well he's a convicted rapist so yeah yes so i, I was gonna <laughs> yeah
0: i was gonna mention that and when i did put the uh, the kind of working list together at the start, mm-hmm. that was going to be one of the songs that was included. Yeah. Um, because there is also a video, Pharrell is also in the video. Um, it was a, a fairly big song at the time. But that did put me off doing it, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Because because of Mystical's since, yeah. you know, issues that he's had. And as you say, you know, he, he has been convicted of...
1: Action, as opposed to making a song that could be misconstrued to be about rape, which yes, exactly. is, is somewhat of a, a lesser issue, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I think that, that, that's why it's kind of a bit baffling to me because like that, that's the song out of his whole discography. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Anyone else remember that? Cause, um, we often talk about this on our podcast, you know, separating like the art from the artist and, um, and whether or not that's okay. Uh, obviously you're entitled to your opinion on it. Um, The way I stand on it is if, and this is obviously a little bit of a tangent, is that I'm not going to completely like disown the music if I like it, um, so long as it's not laced in the pocket of a convicted criminal. Do you know what I'm saying? So say if like, you know, the whole kind of Michael Jackson thing's a bit different because it's still alleged ultimately, and whatever your opinions are on that, you know, are your own. But let's just say, for example, he was guilty, Right. I'm not going to stop listening to Michael Jackson music. It's because I really like the music. Is that wrong with me? Is it right of me? What's what's your view on it, man?
0: I think it very much depends on the person. And this is something I think about quite regularly, if I'm honest. You know, I'm, again, you know, Michael Jackson is probably up there above Pharrell, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that know myself and know, know Dave that, you know, started the podcast with me know that we're, you know, Two absolutely massive fans, and yeah, we're always sending each other like little video clips and things from shows and songs, yeah, and all this. And which, yeah, yeah, really big fans. And it is something, yeah, I do consider every now and again. Now, I have very specific views on the allegations of many years ago, then the more recent ones, um, and stuff like that. So ultimately, it has led me to not stop listening to his music, mm-hmm. but and there's a big but what three four months ago i did delete you know every r kelly song that was in my um yeah man in my apple music library i think
1: that's the difference between alleged and convicted right and um i mean yeah there there is no (laughs) no denying that r kelly is a is a massive massive sex pest so you were you were right to do that and i and i agree with you it's just um the whole michael jackson thing is is difficult as well because i love his music and even though it's alleged there's always that kind of element of doubt which always makes it kind of an internal struggle you know and it's it's always something that you consider when you go through your playlist and you're like i'm speaking about myself to be like oh yeah yeah oh this this track and there's always something in the back of your mind thinking oh you know is this okay um but it's an it's 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 always something that needs to be discussed when discussing like you know artistic types and and kind of separating them from their art because once the arts in the world it's owned by everyone in my opinion uh, so long as that a convicted person is not um, you know it's it's not making it's not making money or like reaping the rewards of that i.e. Gary Glitter from the latest there. so yeah
0: that, that's a reference I was actually about to use yeah, yeah, yeah. in fact you know um. I think most people listening to this podcast will have no idea who Gary Glitter is. I have to say, um, probably, have, probably go, for the best. But I guarantee, for the I guarantee
1: best. they would have definitely heard that song. Um, they would
0: know the songs, yes. Yeah. And I would say go away and maybe Google Gary Glitter. Maybe do it on a private browser though, so that people don't see what you're googling. You know, just in case. But yeah, that that's another kind of example of um of that kind of predatory, awful behaviour. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, where do you stand with the music? I think we've we've got to a point now where you know, the stuff he did was so awful that everyone is just kind of Disowned him yeah. basically. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then man. you know th- those songs do crop up every now and again, and if you you go back and especially if you watch older, that song was
1: in like um it was in like the Water Boy I think, or maybe it was like Happy Gilmore or something like that. And more recently, it was in Joker. I've heard it pop up in so many different things. It was in an episode of South Park some time ago. Um, although that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's um yeah it's it's always a, a it's always a good topic of conversation, and that applies to any kind of medium of, um, of entertainment. You know, kind of like Kevin Spacey. American Beauty is one of my favourite films, as is The Usual Suspects. And it's always, again, like an internal conflict watching those films. But I still watch them. I still enjoy them. But it's almost like, uh, like, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Should knowing. I? Should I be enjoying this, knowing what he then potentially did? But but, but then yeah.
1: you, you could. I mean, without sounding negative if you think about these cases which have just come to light there must be kind of so many like a multitude of other cases and other people that we don't know about and we're still like you know willfully um kind of you know kind of watching them and listening to them and you know completely ignorantly um and that will probably come to light eventually you just never know i think people are people and art is art and they should be they should be separate um, but that's
0: easier said than done. It is, and it's down to everyone's kind of personal interpretation of that and their own yeah. discretion. You know? Like for me for me personally, if somebody is, you know, convicted of some, you know, horrible crime against somebody else, mm-hmm. then yeah, I will probably just delete their music, um, or not watch their movies or whatever it might be. If it's alleged or if I have a very, very strong opinion a certain way then, yeah, I may was, kind of...
1: What if it was, like... So I used the example with, like, Kevin Spacey and, like, The Usual Suspects, for example. Will you not watch that film again?
0: Uh, possibly in the future, but since all this kind of stuff has happened and since he was initially um, arrested and everything, yeah. I wouldn't say I've actively avoided anything with him in it, but I certainly haven't since watched anything with him in it. Okay. Um, And, and if a movie with him in it did crop up on Netflix, you know, it was recommended to me or something... Uh, I think at the moment and for the foreseeable future, because I don't know exactly where my thoughts on it all lie, yeah. um, I, would, I would probably skip over it for now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, it's a diplomatic response, man. <laughs> but back to, back to blurred lines. So there, was a, that was, there, was, there were blurred lines within that conversation as well.
0: Oh, mate, blurred lines everywhere. <laughs> all, the, all the lines are blurred. Yeah. But I think that's pretty much everything on blurred lines, isn't it? I think we've covered all the important stuff, or mm-hmm. at least tried to.
1: <laughs> definitely man it was an interesting topic of conversation we went off some uh, some some kind of interesting tangents as well um it' was definitely a, it's a very meaty one I'd, I'd say um not so much in terms of the the track itself because it's a little bit vanilla in my opinion but but the context that sit behind it and, um, and and the conversation that surrounds it is definitely you know makes it for a good topic of conversation man.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a conversation on on numerous sides that will um, continue to go on for many years, I feel. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, 100%. It'll be um, interesting to see how this song is viewed in, like, say, 100 years' time, you know, when people kind of, like, dig it out of the archives and and put it on whatever media that they're listening to music on, (laughs) and they're like,
0: this this was offensive
1: back then, sure.
0: Yeah, it would be one extreme or the other, I imagine,
1: yeah, all music will be banned.
0: So all music, all Kevin Spacey films. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those people listening, if you you haven't seen some of these interviews and news clips and and stuff like that, I will include uh, the links in the show notes to most of these on YouTube, as well as a few different um, analysis pieces um, in terms of the the technical side of the songs that that people have produced. Um, so you can have a look through there and. Maybe make up your own minds. All right. Anything else to add for Blurred Lines?
1: I think that's it, man. I think we're all out. I think I'm out. All right. That's All
0: right. So I'm going to very, very quickly run through some of the latest news, some of the latest releases, and then we can get going. So um, I'm kind of going backwards here because this is just from my, my show notes of recent. Uh, sorry, my what's the word I'm looking for? Preparation notes. That's what I'm looking for. But, yeah, announced, I think, earlier today or yesterday, a new uh, Adidas Ultra Boost. I've got 20 here. I don't know if it's 20 or 2.0 because I'm not up to date on the the latest Ultra Boost versions. But um, there is a new version coming out in collaboration with BBC. BBC have recently posted about, you know, pay attention to find out how you can win one or buy one or whatever it might be. It's a nice looking shoe. Um, I'd like to see some more images of it and see it on the foot, but there will be some more info from BBC coming very soon. Bust Down Tees have a new tee coming out from memory, because I didn't write this down in my notes. I think it's coming out tomorrow which will be Friday the 29th, because we are recording this Thursday night at the moment. Happy Thanksgiving to all of those American listeners, by the way. So the new Bust Downs T is the Pharrell Chain um, T-shirt that was released at Complex Con. When was that? A couple of months back. Um, they did, obviously, the Nego Chain version last year, which I believe they were selling for $400 or $500, I'm assuming. This one will be um, in the same kind of price bracket. But if you're a fan of Bust Down Tees and the stuff they're doing, keep your eyes peeled for that. They will probably sell out very, very quickly. This week, we've also seen the release of the BBC Fundamentals collaboration. Um, This was released in Japan, I think, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. You can also pick up the pieces at BBC EU at the moment, and I'm assuming the US also has them as well. Uh, BBC EU are now branching out into their, I guess, their own record label almost. Uh, shout out Ross for the, the great work he's doing over there. They've put out their first release. It's um, an Alan Kingdom EP called Current Events. It was limited to 200 or 300 pressings, something like that. Uh, and they also recently put on a Cousin Steve's show in London as well. Um, they'll be doing some more stuff with the music uh, in the near future, I'm sure. We've also seen the re release of the diamond and dollar hoodies um, in all of the original colorways white, cream, and black. I don't know where I stand on this. This goes you know, along the lines of the conversations we've also had recently around the re release of kind of classic designs and stuff like that. Personally, I love the, the original designs. It's nice to see some of them come back. So if you never got to kind of cop one when they first came out, when was that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, you can now get a re release at least. I believe these are on the EU site and maybe the US site at the moment. So go and check those out. One recent release that I do really, really like and really need to try and get hold of is the Human-Made Star Trek collection. So uh, by the looks of it, I think this is uh, Rob Walker putting out... um, some Star Trek memorabilia. We've seen a lot of Star Trek stuff recently actually, the last 18 months or so. I don't know if something is perhaps going on in the background there, but um, this new Star Trek with Humour Made is really, really nice. There's some nice t-shirts and hoodies, uh, and I really need to try and get a hoodie. Um, I don't think these will be available online. They're being sold initially at a pop-up store in Shinjuka uh, starting yesterday, the 27th of November running until the 25th of December. I imagine it's a very limited run, um, so even though the pop-up store will be there for a month, I imagine uh, this collection will probably sell out fairly fast. Uh, A couple of music-related bits of news. The new Beck album came out last week. Uh, seven, Seven Pharrell tracks on there. I still haven't got around to listening to it. I've heard...
1: I wasn't even aware of it.
0: <laughs> no? Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, man. It hasn't had a huge amount of promotion, to be fair. Um, Pharrell hasn't talked about it much. I think um, purposely they're not doing a lot around it. It was kind of... It wasn't a surprise release. I think we knew they were working together for a while. Um, but the whole album itself, and when it dropped, there wasn't a huge uh, a huge marketing campaign around it or anything. So um, I think they're kind of purposely putting it out there into the world with minimal marketing to kind of see what people you know really think of it.
1: Cover art looks good, man. It's uh, Yeah, it's got the kind of like 80s throwback synth wave type album cover. Yeah, I'll
0: it's check that got out. That, it's, it's got that kind of sound as well from the, the little snippets I've heard so far. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, check that one out, people. And then also um, a big announcement that came last week the classic neptunes track that is probably you know for neptunes fans out there uh this will be one of their favorite albums it always rates very highly amongst neptunes fans and that is Calice's kaleidoscope mm-hmm. it's approaching its 20th anniversary and for the 20th anniversary uh Khalees will be doing an eu only uh tour i think she has eight or ten dates that she's doing dotted around europe um, I will be heading to the Berlin show. got my tickets, I've got my flight booked, got the hotel booked. So I will be in Berlin for that show. If anyone else is attending, I know a few people have messaged me so far about meeting up. Um, if you are listening to this and you are that way or you can get there, uh, this is Berlin, so there are lots of cheap flights to Berlin, um, then definitely hit me up and we will try and do some kind of uh, meetup perhaps. I'll be there for a few days. I think the show is on a Wednesday night. Wednesday or Thursday and I think I'm there the day before and the day after as well. So.
1: I'm, I'm, man, that, I'm gutted I can't make that, man. That would be amazing. Are you going to get your kind of strong independent woman
0: vibe on for like all, <laughs> all out there? I
1: hate you so much right now.
0: I'm going to uh, purposely dye my hair multicolour. Please do. And uh, yeah. Amazing album. No, she'll, she'll also be in the UK. She'll be doing London and Manchester as well. I was going to try and go to those but flight costs were ridiculous and hotel costs. It worked out yeah, a return, a return flight to Berlin cost me forty euros, whereas going back to the UK was two hundred and fifty or something ridiculous. So, so it's Berlin for me. Um, there is also Copenhagen, which is probably a bit closer for me as well, but I've not been to Berlin before. So you should,
1: man. Berlin's a city. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'll
0: be there for three whole days. So if anyone has any recommendations of places to go things to do hit me up and i was going to i was going to announce something else i'm working on but i shall i shall withhold that information for now and keep it a secret in case it doesn't actually come off but there may me, be something else tell me your fair man i'll tell you all fair yeah, yeah. but there there may be something else happening around um that tour and that show but we we will see but I think that is everything for now. That's everything on my 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 list and my show notes. I'm sure there was much more going on in the last couple of weeks, but that's what we've got for now. So if you want to check out the show notes and all the links and whatnot, uh, you'll probably get them in the podcast app in which you're listening to this, or you can head over to the website, which is theothers.net. Obviously, others with a Z. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and all those places at Others Podcast. And you can find me at Steve R. Penny. Tom, where can people find you and your lovely podcast?
1: So people probably aren't interested in, in myself as a person, but if they're, if they're interested in checking out the podcast, then you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Shotgun The So S-H-O-T-G-U-N-T-H-E-A-U-X. platforms and um you can you can find our our podcast on all digital platforms spotify apple music acast kiki which is a new one and uh you can see the video footage on youtube as well um so we host like um guests from all over the uk um if you're into uk hip-hop check it out if you're into into hip-hop in general check it out um, Steve mentioned earlier he's um, he's jumped on the show as well. We had a good old chat about kind of Pharrell at very kind of cursory level and all kinds of stuff. So um, yeah, yes, yeah, so, um, we're, do- we're doing good things. So um, if you're into that, come give us a follow.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a music and/or hip hop fan. Um, most of our listeners are US based, and I'm fairly sure that most of them won't have heard of a lot of the the artists and guests that you have on. So, you know, if you're into hip hop, then definitely check out Shotgun the Orcs and um, find out a little bit about, yeah, you know, British hip hop and stuff that's going on uh, in the scene there as well.
1: Yeah, man. So just to like, um, so our latest guest we had on was Verb T and he's part of a crew called The Four Hours and um, and they, they had a track on their last album. They worked with like DJ Premier. um, So, I mean, they have like links to the US. So there are kind of synergies there. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out um, if you're into into, into hip hop in general, because that's how me and you know each other, isn't it, Steve? Like we um, obviously worked together some Pretty time much. ago, and we just kind of like um, connected through like a mutual um, like passion for for hip hop music. We've been to kind of like several gigs together over the years, and yeah, it's just it's just been cool to kind of you know vibe off each other for this long, man.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, it's been. Um yes a, a great and long friendship so far uh, and uh, yeah a- always interesting when we get together and have a few beers and chat about all the uh the latest stuff going on in music in movies and tv and all that kind of stuff that we love
1: definitely man um i wanted to thank you for having me on man it's been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah apologies to listeners out there for my kind of probably apparent lack of knowledge all things pharrell bbc ice cream and nerd, but um I've got kind of just, I know just enough about it to to form some kind of opinion and, and hopefully you're not bored of me waffling on. So uh, yeah, big up Steve and, and thanks for having me on, man.
0: No, thank you, man. The pleasure has been all mine, all ours and um, you know more than enough to, to hold your own and offer some insight into what we're talking about. So we'll definitely get you back again at some point in the future. Love to, man. Thank you. All right, man. And that's it from us this week, everyone, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Peace.